0: Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. I'm like, I can't take it. I can't take it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Fuck
2: them all, burn it all down.
0: Yeah, seriously. No Um, no
1: animals will be harmed during this podcast.
0: There you go.
1: Hey, everyone. Today's podcast is being
0: brought to you by Thematic. I'm very excited about Thematic because music is a huge part of my life. When we began this very podcast, Sean and I struggled with how to use music legally. We scoured through many websites to find our theme song, and it truly wasn't easy. With the thematic community, I access licensed royalty-free music from my favorite music artists and I don't have to worry about copyright claims or my post being taken down. What's also quite cool is that trending songs from music artists are added weekly and it's legal to use them in your creative endeavors or if you're just posting for fun on social media. You can find them online at www.hellothematic.com. Or check out our show notes. Thematic is spelled T-H-E-M-A-T-I-C. And for a free one month of Thematic, use the promo code F-A-1-1 promo. Again, that's F-A-1-1 promo. Thanks.
2: Hey, Megan. How are you? (laughs) Which you really like. And then you go, I'm good, Sean. How are you? And I'd be like, oh, Meg, I'm pretty tired. But guess what? We have a special guest today, and who's here? And And then you'll say, "Who's here?" And I'll be like, "Hey, who is here?" And then Sam will chime in with, "Hey, I'm here." There you go. And I'll be like, "It's Sam."
0: Well, go ahead, Sam. This is that's your introduction. (laughs) (laughs) We are professionals. On the ball.
1: (laughs) On the ball.
2: Here I am. Coach Sam.
1: Hey, Sam. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what's going on sam how are you doing how th- th- fuck it J- i think that's the introduction for today we'll I'm just that. You, you know I'm,
1: yeah so
0: well the the one of the main premises of this podcast is we don't do small talk and that intro is always so always so cringy because i'm like hey how are you get who do we have here today <laughs> 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 um yeah, so I, I like your version much better. It's, you know, big warm welcome to Sam. Thank you for taking the time to to join me and Sean. I know it's not easy um, being in between the two of us, but, you know, we we love it when you're here. Uh, it's, it's always a my pleasure. It's a,
2: it's, a, it's a Megan and Sean sandwich with Sam as the meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: God.
1: All right. And with that.
0: so today sam is on because our topic today is um athletes over 60 and sam is old
2: sam's old
0: yep so Um,
2: i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna digress right off the bat so (laughs) i've been training with 20 fucking year olds and so i feel old every fucking day my wife's like you just need to hang out with old people and you'll feel young like it's just the matter of perspective. So Sam, you're not old. You just been hanging out with people that are too young.
1: Yeah, yeah. I w- I went for a run today with Fernando, and and uh, he's he had tweaked his knee on doing something like ten days ago, and he goes, "I'm so glad I fucking ran with you, because all those other people they run too fucking fast, and it's no fun oh, for me." Oh
0: no, so, dude.
1: So nice and recreational and lazy with you, and I'm like. Yeah, glad I can be there for you. Yeah, thanks a lot, dipshit. <laughs> no, it was perfect.
0: <laughs> it's okay. My my ego needed to come down a few notches today. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no, it's the great thing about being old is, like, if you just look at your age group, like, it's down to, like, four or five people in every race that I'm in now. So I have a really good yeah. shot of getting top three in the age group. So, so, I, was,
2: so- I was volunteering at the Hartford Marathon today.
0: Oh yeah, that's and, right. I forgot about that.
2: And one of my buddies was running. He ran the half. And he's a he's a he's a fast runner. He ran sub 130 today, but he's 50 years old. He just turned 50, so he won his age group. <laughs> and it's like with like with like a 128, which is which is a fast time. That's good. It's not yeah. it's, it's not fucking earth shattering, but he's like in right, age group.
1: I was like that's yeah. awesome. I, I was thinking about that. Ex- exactly um, an example of that today, just in terms of what's changed for me over time. And I remember reading running like a 130 marathon that was it went up part of Heartbreak Hill and everything in Newton. And so, you know, it wasn't flat. And I I did it in one thirty and I was trying to remember when that was. It had to be close to fifteen years ago. And I'm at least it would be at least forty seconds slower today yeah. if I tried to do something like that. You know, it's just it just eats away at but you, you know? you
0: know. what I think on a daily basis. I think if I paid as much attention to my body, to my emotional health, to my well-being in my twenties that I do now, I would have been a superstar. Like, but in my twenties, I didn't have to, and I didn't. And some of those things, the mistakes that I've made in the, my twenties, uh, maybe they're, you know, maybe they'll catch up with me today. But today, I know. I have to take care of myself, right? It's it's not an option. Um, but in my 20s, I was like, whatever. I don't need sleep. I don't need food, which you do, you know, to both of them. But I wasn't really doing that a lot in my 20s. So, yeah.
2: I think you, you can get away with it more in your 20s. You definitely can.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: As soon as now, I know Sam being... This elder statesman here is gonna laugh when I say, but as soon as I turned, I like remember it. Like I turned 38, and I was like, oh, this like has shifted. Like it, you could, I could, in my training, in the way I felt, in everything, like the volume, the recovery, everything had to shift. Like it just, it just, it was like, one day it was fine, and then the next it wasn't, and that comes also at that. I think for me, it was it was about seven years of real competitive hard running with like training. And I think that's kind of a typical window you get is about seven years of, like, if you're, if you put time and effort in where you get, get growth without, like, you get significant growth. And I think you, you see that shift after about seven years, um, for most people, that's- once they're finished growing, I guess it's a person like, and, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, too. I mean, around that age, you know, there's the the atrophy curve. You know, I think for men, it it, it starts before women. And, um, you know, it's somewhere late 30s, early 40s, where, you know, you're just not just by living every day, you're going to be start the atrophy curve. And um, I was it was funny. I was I was looking at some stuff before this podcast just to get some factual background with things but to watch the whole um the testosterone not drop and the growth hormone drop um you know where i am today compared to in my 20s is i think it's one tenth at the level okay. of mm-hmm. of hormones that are naturally produced you can stimulate that but then there's things that regulate the hormone. You got to get a good night's sleep. Like the hormones are released at night during, you know, REM sleep. And um, and that becomes more of a challenge as you get older. You know, you get more restless or you're not sleeping as many hours or whatever. So it's, I mean, it's, you can't fight mother nature in some of these things, you know.
0: Sam, what was the, what was the initial, like, the initial idea you approached us and and said, you know, that we should do a show on athletes over 60. What was it in your life that, that kind of brought that to your attention, that it's something that we should be talking about?
1: I, well, it was this year actually, because I was, um, I was hoping to do 200 miler running races this year, which um, I, I, The first 100 I did was only five years ago. I was 58, and 2018 was the first time I did it. And I've been, you know, in my mind, getting, building the fitness to do that. You know, you can't do it over a year. It it spans over several years to build that durability. And I thought, hey, I'll give it a shot this year. And um, it was going to be Vermont in July, and then Javelina, which is coming up in two weeks. Um, or whatever the timing is, whenever the, the podcast is released. But, um, and I talked with my coach about this. So that that's a long training for me. That's a long uh, period of time to be training for that distance. And usually by the fall, uh, I'll have some races, but they're shorter, they're winding down, and they're kind of optional for me. I will have done my A race in the mid midsummer. So to be able to hang on for nine to 10 months of training, we had to cut, you know, we took out a day of running and uh, replaced it just with easy bike riding, Mm -hmm. have to do more strength work because, you know, you're just constantly breaking yourself down when you're running and I have to do, you know, I've got to do strength work anyways uh, to, to do some, get, to get some of that growth hormone stimulation, to get some of that strength. And so it was this year that um, really made me think about it. And looking around and seeing, you know, I joked at the beginning of the podcast, there's only four or five people out there doing this thing. And, you know, I'm like, why is that? You know, are people just not motivated or are they breaking down? You know, um, so I think that's another, you know, another question in my mind is, you know, can we talk about this a little bit and somebody who's keep help keep some folks motivated into their 60s
2: so i have a question for you (laughs) do you do you still feel like pain and discomfort on a daily basis that i think most runners probably feel on a daily basis especially like in the throes of training now i'm not talking about injury and I'm, i'm just talking about like you wake up your legs are sore it takes like 10 steps to get going like You know, like all of a sudden you're like, one day you're like, oh, my my back is sore for no reason. And I say this because I was talking to my wife today and I probably need to do more stretching type aspect to my training as it is currently situated. But I was like, I stood for like four hours on concrete, just standing, handing out medals. And I was like, my back is really sore. Like it's really tight. And like, does that... Does that still happen to you? And the reason I ask this is because I wonder if that is the main deterrent. Like, I think, right, like, you're like, oh, I can, like, deal with this pain today. I can deal with this pain tomorrow. I can deal with this pain. But after doing it for 20 years of being in, like, pseudo training pain, maybe you're just like, fuck it. I don't want to hurt every
1: day. Yeah. I mean, I I do feel it for sure. And and it takes more than 10 steps, you know? Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I mean, I go have a cup of coffee and then I go, I do, I have this little routine that I do that's five or 10 minutes every morning. It's a little bit of yoga and a little bit of just hip movement things. And, you know, that's when I, I'm ready to do something after that. And, uh, um, but yeah, I'm sure there are people that are just like, oh, you know, I've done this long enough for, I put up with this long enough for, I want to accomplish more <laughs> on a Saturday than just do a three hour run and then, you know, watch a soccer game for the rest of the day or something like that. Um, I don't know what the the reasons are there um, that uh, that why, you know, I still have the motivation to do that. I'm not I'm not sure where others. You know, change their perspective on that. Some of it could be too, you know, there, there's this concept and I don't know what the two of you think about this, that, con- you know, of your athletic career, you know, what, what I've read is, you know, if you're performing at a higher level or you're training 10 to 20 hours a week, which we've all done at one time or another, um, you know, you can, there's a finite number of years before you start kind of breaking down a little bit, unless you're kind of exceptionally built. And I think it's somewhere between 20 and 40 years, somewhere in there. It's probably more towards the 20-year side of things. Um, And I know for me, I, you know, I did marathon and some stuff in my 20s, but I backed off till I was probably about 45, while I was raising my kids. And then I went back to it and kind of really dove into endurance training. So my, I have maybe fewer years in my athletic life, you know, training at that higher level, because I, I didn't do it for 15, 20 years. So, um, but that could be a reason for folks too.
2: Well, and I think it depends on what your volume is, right? Like going into it, you look at You look at a lot of, and I, I think I've mentioned this on the, the podcast and I, we talked about just a little bit like a seven year span, right? Like you look at a lot of like high level college athletes putting in big miles and stuff like that. A lot of their careers don't go much longer than seven to 10 years at that high level after growth, right? Like once you've peaked as a, like your, your anatomy is peaked 20 years old for, you know, most men twenty five ish. Um, it's it's a seven year span in there that like you're 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 done, right? Like Anton Kaprichka, like um, Ryan Hall. Do you, I mean you could go down like the list of like Adam Goucher. Like you could go down like the list of like every athlete that has like been on the highest level and you're like the the exceptions are the bizarre ones, right? Like the Killians of the world, the you know Jeff Browning. Jeff, Jeff Browning. And, like, you, Jeff Browning's... Camille
0: Heron. Just, she's yeah. nailed it. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, just steady, though. Jeff Browning's never, like... He's never, like, reached for the sun, right? Like, in the way that, like, Wamsley, freaking Anton, like, that have probably pushed beyond what their daily, like, l- doses could be, like... And I, what was making me think about it is today we were talking about um, Calvin Kipton, the world record marathon setter in chicago right 23 year old and he's training currently his peak training weeks are 185 mile weeks no days off his coach gives him a day off every once in a while and his coach Uh, has said to him he's like he's like you have three years and then it's done you're done like that's what you got you got three years at this
0: level Um, so when sam when you gave us this idea for the for the podcast what i started thinking about is the athletes over 60 that i've coached um and the different approaches i've taken with them Mm -hmm. the the takeaway that i have from my over 60 athletes i think i've coached athletes aged i think i think the oldest athlete i've ever worked with is 78 i think Uh Um, but what i notice about them is the level of consistency Um, also when they're tired, they rest. I know that sounds silly, (laughs) but that is not obvious to somebody who's super competitive, um, you know, in their younger years, but it's just common sense to, to these particular athletes. And that was a bit of an eye opener for me. The other place that my mind went is we have male athletes, you know, female athletes, um, non-binary and trans, right? So, with male athlete well actually and i think of it it all comes down to the to the endocrine system right as we get older our hormones change and these changes are going to cause um you know they're going to cause our you know some affect the elasticity you know in our connective tissues they're going to as you were mentioning um we're going to have to lift more weights to stimulate hormones but it's important for me as a coach so first i'm thinking about okay is this is this a man or a woman because with men um, I've had a number of male athletes, um, that have had testosterone issues. They got tested mid training. It was low and had to go on supplements. So, um, you know, so that's something important, you know, get, get your hormones checked, right. Um, with women, um, it's, it's important for me. Are they, are they still menstruating? Are they perimenopausal or are they menopausal? Okay. Because those three factors change, um, what they need in, in regard to diet strength training. I mean, somebody who's perimenopausal and postmenopausal um, is going to need, like, like you were saying, Sam, they they're going to need a heck of a lot more strength training. You need to lift heavy shit. It's it's really that simple. You know, your calories, your protein, your carbohydrates, there is a really, those numbers change, you know, for women as they get older. And thinking about, you know, individuals who are trans or non-binary, what I typically ask is, well, okay, you know, um, what hormones are you on right now? What's going on with your endocrine system right now? And then I work backwards. So if I find out, you know, somebody's on estrogen, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, you're going to have to make these changes. We have to make sure that, you know, we're really doing the strength training. If I find out that they're on a um, testosterone blocker, that changes things a little bit. If they're on progesterone, I have to remember that their connective tissues will have that increased elasticity. So figuring out where the person is with their hormones it 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 is important and i i was just talking to an athlete about this i think of our endocrine system as a symphony right so there's all these different parts there's all these different hormones you know we have testosterone and estrogen and progesterone and for each person depending on their makeup and what they're trying to do you know in regard to you know an athletic um event or if they're trying to lose weight you know, we, there's there's also a conductor, right? And all of these parts have to be working together because all of a sudden if we find out that um, the drums are too loud, it's throwing off all the other parts. And keeping in mind all of these pieces have to be working together. And so when I've worked with women who are menopausal or perimenopausal, that's super important because hormones, typically it's the estrogen and progesterone um, fluctuations throughout the month that are going to affect, um, the woman and the symptoms that she's getting. And we have to work within, within those symptoms. And that's why I've always been a proponent of, you know, for female athletes who are still menstruating, it is absolutely crucial that the coach know what their cycle is. And we need to work within the confines of where that specific person is. So, so I think when I was, you know, thinking about Sam's idea, it's when somebody is when somebody's older. It my first thought is, where are they? <laughs> where are they? You know, again, you know, male, female, are they transitioning? Or you know, like I said, they could be trans. They could be putting, you know, it, they could be endogenous or exogenous hormone issues. Finding out what all of those are and then working within the confines of what that athlete's particular needs are are super important and. We talked about this before on the podcast, but I think that Stacey Sims' research really led the way for women and differentiating that women should not be trained like men. And that was the way I was trained my entire life. I mean, we were trained the same way that the guys were. And frankly, as a coach, when I first started, I was training my women the same as men because I didn't know, right? Right but when you know better, you do better And this research out is out there. And there's so many other scientists that are building upon her work that there's no excuse for us not to add that specificity into, you know, into our coaching and into our personal training.
2: Can I, I want to make a and in what, it, and ask a question. And this is a question for Sam specifically. Um, so the one point in specifically when you're talking about the hormones and, pre and perimenopausal women, uh, right? Like even with Stacey Sims, it's like, well, your cycle may affect you in this manner and you may perform better at this point in your cycle and someone else may perform. So it's important to track, but it's not the same woman to woman to woman to woman. It becomes, it becomes, Mm -hmm. and that's where the, the, the art of knowing the, the knowing what's right. And then, applying what is specific to your athlete is important. Now, my question to Sam is, what are your thoughts on testosterone enhancement in male athletes, amateur male athletes after whatever age, especially when it comes into amateur male athletes where there's events where there's age group awards?
0: Well, it is illegal right i just want it before sam answers that's illegal that's one of the controlled substances right
2: from, it, from... It, it is correct okay, but all right, I mean just check but it but okay. like but no one's no one's testing anyone in the over 60 category at an amateur amateur <sighs> oh. race right like no no one's going like hey are you on t like and even if you but if like you if you, if you win it, the
0: ironman don't you think they'd pull you aside yeah, but, but and but i'm do talking
2: that? about yeah but i'm talking about amateur Athletes, oh, and, oh, okay,
0: right, age like per person, so. Okay, gotcha. Right.
2: Okay, and and what I'm saying is, even if they did, your T levels might still be within band, even if you're taking a testosterone supplement at that age. Like you might still be within band. You might
0: not, you might not, need it, yeah. right? Right. So
1: that's but, where my that's where my mind goes is, do you need this, and is this a byproduct of needing it? I mean, I I don't give a shit at my age, you know, about it, honestly. Um, I'm not that hyper-competitive, I, I, you know, about it, but, um, you know, if somebody's taking testosterone at my age, you know, so that they can win, you know, the Seven Sisters race or something like that, I'm like, what, you
2: know. 100%, but I mean, right, like, part of the reason that there are age group awards is because we have different biological responses right, at right. different ages right right that's like that's why it and so now you're taking one of those biological responses and changing it so does that like negate like the value of that age group award and that that's, i'm just i'm asking the question from a personal standpoint like or from i mean i don't, I don't have an answer i was just curious as to what yeah. your your thoughts i mean i know you don't really care but
1: no i've not i've not ever thought about it honestly and um you know i i yeah, it, and and it's, I mean, it it's an interesting question. I I it doesn't stir me up, you know, passionately one way or another. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I would, I mean, I know, I you know, guys that get you know for prostate cancer, they get you know, hormone therapy, yeah. and I would imagine, you know,
2: it's it is not hard to get a testosterone supplement if you're a male over the age of 40 at this point yeah like you can pretty much go to your doctor get tested and especially if you're an endurance athlete your t levels are probably low
1: yeah i'm sure mine are i've never been tested for that stuff oh you
0: should be you i mean you should just next time you get a physical just ask for that panel because in the name of you know just blood work for prostate um for prostate health and you know all your male hormones just just ask for the panel it's it's you know, they're running the blood anyway, you know, yeah. for when you get your physical, you may as well get it done.
1: Noted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. <laughs> You're welcome. No, it's You're good. Welcome. It's good. But Sean, I think to your point, frankly, any level of, I mean, whether it's testosterone or blood doping or whatever anybody's using um to cheat, in essence, assuming you know, that they're not taking, they're not taking hormones to, you know, to, to, to regulate something that's medically necessary, obviously gives anybody an advantage. Right. Um, but it's a,
2: it's a weird scenario because it's prescribed by a doctor. It's because your T levels are low. Right. But right. But At if le- your
0: testosterone's low and you're taking, you're taking exogenous testosterone wouldn't, and again, I'm not an expert on the endocrine system, so I'm not going to pretend to be. So, but isn't that just going to bring your levels up to a normal level?
2: Yeah. But I mean, for, I see the, is, it, is it normal for a 20 year old, not normal for a 60 year old?
0: Well, right. But your doctor is going to be controlling your hormones and getting them up to that, to whatever age you are. So if it were you, you know, I forget how old you are, you know, 40, oh, I 40 don't, something. I, don't,
2: I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I, I would be interested to, maybe hear from a doctor and yeah. I have, I, and I have talked to a doctor that we have had on the podcast before. In regards yeah. To this. Yeah. Go
0: back, go back to the Josh episode. Um, um, Dr. Josh, he did, he did a really good job, but we,
2: but we, we have talked about it before about, yeah. um, testosterone, I guess, boosters, however, whatever you want to look at it. And, and I know that it is not hard to get legally from your doctor right, because but you're a responsible
0: not to a responsible doctor um is going to bring your hormone levels up to age appropriate however can it be abused absolutely freaking lootly.
2: I mean is it really um, is, y- it, is it is it is it age appropriate or is he gonna bring them up because you'll have you'll sleep better your you know your diet will be better your sex like yeah be but when,
0: when you're when you like, have too all much these things, testosterone there's also issues on the flip side too that really serious well, health consequences you know what i mean right so, but,
2: but we're not we're not taking it up to levels of a 17 year old but like right what and, if you like I mean, you become a 60 year old and you have testosterone levels of a 30 year old but,
1: but probably but the, but the, so there's there's you know there's legitimate space in between both of these things yeah. and, and i mean but yeah, you know, this is a question sideways from what we're talking about here. Is we, <laughs> I,
2: I was just curious, like what the thoughts were.
0: But also, what if I had off. to have what if I had to have testosterone supplements? I mean, I don't. Um, but if my if my natural testosterone levels were low, um, I don't think it would be giving me an advantage. I think it would be just bringing me up to the level that I should be. You know, at at my age, and you know my. my my gender that I'm living with. I think, so
2: I think the difference is that in normal society now, and I use, it's more common that a person, a male, will be prescribed testosterone enhancement to bring his levels up above a normal sixty-year-old, or or above a number normal. 50 year old or whatever if, it is
0: we'd have to have an endocrinologist on yeah. on to help to help us with that because i think we're i think we're out of our league here because <laughs> yeah. we really can't i mean that's that's a very hard question to answer yeah. i think because i don't so, know yeah. what
1: doctors are doing because i that's not my you know not my area but what i'm interested in is what can you do to stimulate the endocrine system we mm-hmm. know that lifting heavy things yes lifting know, heavy stimulates things stimulates growth hormone
0: Right. And for females, um, you know, for females, they can take supplements. But again, the tricky part of taking or actually take a prescription to increase whether it's estrogen, progesterone, or if they need to increase both, or there's adapted adaptogens that can be taken to they're the precursor to hormones, those help significantly. Um, it's much easier for females to take an adaptogen than to just supplement because my levels of estrogen will fluctuate you know, throughout the month, because I, you know, still get a period. And but yes, lifting heavier, I think, if there's one thing that that needs to get the needs to get across in this podcast is as you get older, you need to lift heavy shit, men, women, like it's it's yeah. that simple. Um, and, and That's really, it. not not like, we're not talking lightweights, you know, it reps to 15 to 30, we're talking um, heavy stuff, you know, anywhere from you know four to eight reps you know to possible failure depending on what you're doing
2: i think when you're yeah when you're above probably above 40 it, or maybe even above 35 it becomes more important to lift heavy and then i think once you get to the point where you're 75 ish time frame i think it the 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 lower wet reps higher weight stuff tends to help because at that point you're just trying to make sure that if you fall down you can get back up and you can like it becomes a, a daily
1: well All it's right, so... not it's not just getting back up it's having the strength to get up from sitting right yes have, have the balance. mobility I mean, mobility be, yeah you know it's i mean having a 96 year old father who's fallen down multiple times in the last five years and broken things you know witness to this it's you know, you got to maintain your strength and your mobility through your hips and, and strength, mobility, and balance as right. you age. And it could be, you know, it, and that's very, that varies for different people. Could be 75, could be 70 for some, could be early 80s for others. 100%. No, I just kind Yeah. Of yeah. No, but it's... Going... The other thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Megan. Oh, no, no. You finish your point. Well, I was going to, I was going to throw another item Go for into it. this. That's okay. Bring too, it in. Was, um, going along with strength. The other thing is, is increase protein because yes. you tend yeah. to, you know, you're wasting more as you age. And for
0: women, carbohydrates. I, it, and I don't think it's, I mean, I know women need more carbohydrates as they get older than men, but I think men have to increase their carbohydrates as
1: well. So, you know. Yeah. I think, but I mean, in order to build strength, you need the protein, mm-hmm. your body's wasting anyways. So you, mm-hmm. you probably, there's studies that show that you need more protein constantly as you age. And, um, you know, whether you get that through, you know, eating meat sandwiches or <clears throat> supplements or whatever, you know, you got to do something to keep that going. And uh, I think those are, those are keys because that feeds into the endocrine system too, given the building blocks. Absolutely
0: and as we've discussed in other episodes i'm a horrible eater i end up doing a lot of protein shakes and i have them like as snacks between meals just because i know i'm not getting i'm not getting all that i need and i don't i don't do it as meal replacement but um yeah usually on the way home from work i'm downing a protein shake because <laughs> i know i didn't eat right that day and it, like you guys were talking about i don't think i ever woke up And thought, oh, my God, I'm getting old because what happened to me is I had this, you know, I had this bike crash that we talked about in the last two episodes. Right. I had this bike crash. So all of my aches and pains that I'm living with right now, I I think, are, you know, directly correlated you know, with the injuries that I suffered when, you know, I got thrown off the bike. I don't know that I ever felt like, oh, I'm getting old. I mean, I can definitely feel my hormones shifting. I noticed that um, my hormones are shifting and that I do need to lift, do need to lift heavier stuff. Um, I need more interval training and I need to eat more. But I might have needed that like at age 30, to be honest. <laughs> um, So, so. I don't know that I ever hit the, I'm old point. It's just the, the injuries happened first. So the aches and pains I have really are kind of misleading. And the other thing I'm thinking about coaches, and you can see your thoughts on this are really welcome lately because I've been having some back issues, you know, based on, um, my hip injuries and I, I did break my back, you know, when I fell, um, I have not been able to lift heavy for the past couple weeks because um just because it just form is so important when you're lifting, especially when you're lifting heavy stuff and I you know, if my form's not right, I'm going to get hurt. So, what I've been doing is oh god, at least an an hour minimum of power yoga every day. <laughs> so, it's not it's not the same as lifting heavy. But, you know, I can notice changes, um, you know, in my neck muscles, in my shoulder muscles, in my back muscles. Um, That's made a huge difference. And it's also helping me work with the injuries that I have and not make it any worse. Um, So I don't know your thoughts on that. Can you do
2: plyometrics? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, because I think plyometrics would be more akin to lifting heavy.
1: It's absolutely it's, you absolute, have, it's you that the explosive
2: and the impact. So yeah. you, you get you get both of those both of those aspects. So,
0: so like, like a body weight like like, look, like like a bodyweight amrap type thing? Or is just doing just jumping like
2: jacks, box jumps
0: or, or or
2: jumping like jacks, explosive or push-ups, jump rope, broad
0: jumps. Um yeah, I gotta say, I do a lot of those in yoga. I do a lot of jump backs, um, jump forward, I mean jump up into handstand. I mean But more than more than you'd think. But yeah, that's probably a good idea to add those to add more of those in there.
1: Because you need you need to hear and feel the impact. Yeah. It's not like a light landing. It's a you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want that shock going up into through the bone mass.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That would be my recommendation.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. I think that's good. It's just when Because the mobility in my ankle isn't great, Mm -hmm. um, I have to be really careful when I'm squatting because my squat form just stinks. It doesn't mean that I have eliminated squats, um, but given the limited mobility on my right side, I can easily tweak my back or my shoulders.
2: Now, in regard to that, can you lift with a belt? Because if you're lifting heavy, like to me, if you're lifting heavy... And the chance of throwing your back out exists and it exists for everybody regardless. It doesn't, it doesn't take power lifters, lift with belts like for Yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah, that's true.
2: Like it, I, the I'd ability to that. tweak it is, is super yeah. easy.
1: And yeah. if you, and I do, I do exercises like kettlebell swings and things like that, which aren't impact, yep. but it's specifically designed to strengthen the muscles in my low back yep. to be able to support Things when I go and lift heavier, so you know it's a two-step. There's there's an interim process in there too for somebody who's not naturally strong. Anyways, is I've got to I've got to make sure I keep my whole core, you know, which for me is between my knees and my shoulders, and and, you know, between my hips and knees, specifically uh, the adductors. But you know, you got to keep that strong to be able to support you know, um, doing some of these Olympic lifts or deadlifts or whatever it is that you, right. you know, yeah. you go to. So,
0: and it's also, uh, uh, lifting weights for me is not something that I find fun. <laughs> it's not what I want to do. Like, you know, if I didn't have to do it, I gotta be honest, I would never do it. I'm not a gym person. I don't like weights. It's not, I mean, I make it fun, but naturally it's not what i would go to left to my own devices
1: <laughs> yeah but it's it's a means to an end and i think it you is. only have to do it a couple of times a week and to to mm-hmm. get the stimulus and um you know again we haven't said the osteoporosis word i don't think yet but it's a big it's a big deal for women and it's me as a brilliant. massage therapist when i have somebody that's over 60 that comes in that's a female, that's the first thing I ask them because I don't want to be leaning on a rib and crack a rib or something like that, you know, and it's, um, and there's some people that are just, you can see, I mean, they're, they're getting shorter because their vertebrae are all, you know, decay and they're, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, I know it's harder to control for some people because of their body chemistry than it is for others, but, um, <clears throat> but doing these things and thinking about it is super important after
0: the so after <clears throat> I had the external fixator on my foot and on my lower leg for a little over four months. And so I was not able to step on my right leg for four months. and when um when I got that thing off, um you know, I got x-rays and whatnot. And I did have osteoporosis in my lower right leg. And I have to tell you, I was petrified because, I'm a very klutzy person. (laughs) I bump into things. Sometimes I just get super forgetful. I'm, you know, one of those people that just bangs my hand on the wall, kind of thing. I was petrified that I was going to like bang my shin on something and and my leg would break. Um, So since since my last surgery, so my last surgery was April of 2022, um, I've been supplementing with um calcium zinc and magnesium you know per my doctor's orders you know just just to make sure and i don't have the osteoporosis anymore it healed it took for me it took about six months to heal um because you know i'm i'm running and hiking and doing all that kind of stuff
2: let's uh, say the impact activities are like the most important yep. and back like right. with like the plyometrics is, is huge what sam was saying that like creates the bone it's, density
0: there it's it, like so when you when you're talking about plyometrics, I did a, I did a strength training class. It was on Peloton the other day and it was a body weight. I'm like body weight, strength, strength class for 45 minutes. I'm like, Oh, it'll be fine. But dear God, I was so sore. (laughs) That's not something I normally do. Um, But all the jumping and the landing. And I mean, holy moly, like it, I was, I think I was walking funny the next day. Well, and
1: (laughs) just for our audience, you know, plyometrics is something you have to work into, you know, because it will do that. It will make you very, very sore, very, very quickly. If you Mm -hmm. haven't been, if you haven't been, you know, gotten your body used like any sort of new discipline, you know, athletic discipline, you're using the muscles differently. And it, it, you know, dose it out, you know, in the beginning.
0: In, in in despite what's going on in my hips and my back, it, it, you know, I feel I feel proud that you know on a daily basis I'm doing so many push-ups and in handstands and back bends, and that makes me feel a lot better. Like, okay, you know, how many people how many people can do back bends? And you know, I can do a back bend, and I've broken you know a number of bones in my back. But it's like it's like Sam, what you were talking about about maintaining mobility and your ability to get up from the ground, you know, whether you're, it's just from a sitting position or whether it's because you fell. It's to Um, get off
1: the toilet, frankly, you know, in a lot of cases.
0: So, so as a paramedic though, I do a lot of lift assists. I mean, and that, that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, we do a lot of lift assists, um, you know, of people that live alone or they live with somebody that can't lift them up or, you know, they fell out of bed and they just need to be checked out. You know,
1: do I need to go to hospital? Do I not? Um, yeah. So I'm, I I want to circle back to something you said like five or ten minutes ago. You said you need more interval training as you mm-hmm. get older. Mm-hmm. And I'm, in, I'm interested as to see my thinking would go the other way with less interval um, training but so, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts and, are.
0: And this comes this comes from you know Stacy Sims research and what what she has been promoting is the long the, you know long runs rides you know like over 2 hours at a certain age if you're just doing that it's exhausting. Okay. You're just physically exhausting yourself. The interval training is comparable to lifting heavy shit. Right. And it's stimulating your hormones. You're getting the pounding on the ground. Um, That's needed. So what she suggests is she's not saying get rid of, you know, get rid of your long exercise sessions she's saying build in interval training and lifting heavy shit in between so you can adequately support yourself in these in these longer efforts we were talking i think sam and i were talking before you came on in my 20s I never did any of that stuff (laughs) i mean i just ran i just did what i wanted to and i was just fine but now if i want to go out and run a marathon or anything longer i have to make sure that i have i have the strength to support it like endurance wise i could go out and do it right now okay um however am i strong enough to support myself so i don't get injured and interval training helps with that
1: okay yeah. Do you think, and some of that is due to recovering from the ang- Yeah. Okay. Because where yeah. I am is I was doing two sessions up until this year. You know, I would do a hill session one day, you know, you know, VO2 max up yeah. the hill and then run hard down. And then another day I just do a tempo run, um, you know, 45 to 60 minutes. And now I'm doing those alternating and I might do I do one of the one of those with like a fartlek type of run, which is just, you know, speed up here and there as you feel like it maybe get a total Mm -hmm. of five minutes at a faster pace. So but that's me coming into the season strong, you know, with consistent years of consistent training, but just dialing it down for my age and because we were looking at a longer season, um, you know, it just, I, I could, I don't think I could do two hard sessions like that all and without being completely exhausted every week.
0: It it sounds like you're doing what you need to do. I think maybe adding a track session in, you know, once a week or every, or every, you know, two weeks, whether it's eight hundreds or four hundreds, um, that would be interesting to see, you know, to see what, what effect that has on you. 800s are brutal
1: so oh, i i know and and I, I feel like i get some of that from you know like the vo2 max sessions yes. where yeah. you know i'm doing a 60 to 90 seconds as hard as i can you know up a hill and um, but yeah if i'm not if i was doing something flat it would be akin to yeah a, a track session i think
2: and i'll be 100 with the interval stuff i think it's Regardless of the age and the gender, I think it depends on how intense the interval is, the length of the intervals, and by that I mean the total length of the workout. Right. Um. And how the person is recovering. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, I mean, for an endurance athlete, you have. I typically, in regardless, will not give more than one interval session to any of my athletes in a week, young or old. Like one interval session is the way I think that gets for most people that have a full life outside of running. I think that gives them the most benefit in the recovery. But
0: I now, might give people what Sam is doing, you know, like but, uh,
2: those type of I, intervals. I might on a long on a long run increase the pace up to especially if they're a marathon oh, runner yes. up to marathon yeah, okay. pace
0: yes
2: on, on a long run as part of their long run
0: mm-hmm.
2: um because they're gonna get they're gonna get works from doing a long run anyways and then you still get you you get a little added stimulus in there
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you have the recovery time before your next interval session the important thing is like regardless of who it is and what they're doing is if you want to get the benefit out of the interval session, you have to have the recovery before Correct. the interval session, Correct. right? Like it doesn't matter. Like if you have if you have an 18 year old that can bang out an interval session, be recovered two days later, do another interval session, bang it out two days later. Or if your interval session is maybe like more gauged at like maxing, doing like a VO2 max workout or like a high high intensity, low rep type workout where you're doing 30-second sprints and it's just all-out freaking intensity and you're doing three minutes rest between these 30-second bolts of all-out intensity and you're doing 10 of them right like you're getting all that stimulus the recovery on that backside is 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 not huge like because you didn't because the time expenditure at at intensity was not high so I think those things all play into it and a lot of times with my younger athletes I add in stuff where it's like, we're going to do like four to six strides at the end of an easy run.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Where you you get like that short bout of intensity, you get a little stimulus, but it's not going to freaking wipe you out the next day and you're still getting pretty much recovery.
0: I have to remind my athletes on a regular basis that all of your gains happen. In the rest and recovery post workout, whether you're whether you're 20 or whether you're 70. Okay, so if you're 70, you're going to need more recovery. Okay, the, you know that's that's clear. But that's when that's when the muscles repair <laughs> is when you're sleeping, when you're resting, and skipping. When you that. get stronger. Yes. Yeah, literally that's when the muscle fibers are repairing themselves and you're getting, you know, mu- muscle growth and the adaptation to, you know, the, the cardio that you've done. It's just that's when all the gains happen. It's just the older you are, the longer that recovery period has to be. And again, for me, it's right now that recovery period is really based on like the muscular skeletal injuries I've had. Post accident, rather than age, but you know, I still am paying very close attention to my hormones, given that I'm in my late forties.
1: So, yeah. yeah. All right, I got another subject, and we kind of touched on this a little bit with the testosterone to throw out, but throw, is just medicines in general. Like as you age, like I'm on levothyroxine. You know, my my thyroid is mm-hmm. is you know is underperforming. So I need this and, but there's people that are taking medicine to control their, um, blood pressure, you know, Mm -hmm. and that may affect their metabolism and their energy level. There's, you know, there's a whole range Mm -hmm. and, and and I can imagine Megan, you're probably very well equipped to talk about this, but, you know, factoring in some of these other types of, um, uh, medicines that people might be on um, and and how we work with them to train them or what we might expect to see. You know, I, ideally, if, if we get people running and, and they've come from, they haven't been running much and they have hypertension or something, maybe that changes and reduces the hypertension a little bit. Um, but, you know, designing our training plans around these medicines is important as well
0: yeah and and educating ourselves because we're not we're not doctors and learning okay um i mean i know most of the you know most of the blood pressure medications and you know thyroid medications i mean i come across those um but you know thinking about an app you know a couple athletes that i was working with that had low testosterone and that were on testosterone supplements i'm thinking okay well what can i do in training to support you know to support these medical needs of increasing you know increasing testosterone in the body goes back to what you said um making sure that the athlete isn't exhausted making sure that they're getting recovery making sure that they're lifting you know all that type of stuff um but if if somebody has an overactive or underactive thyroid that's important for us to pay attention to and for me it's always just asking a lot of questions <laughs> what medications are you on and why right yep. um are you and and not only that not just medications but supplements too because there's a number of you know supplements and vitamins that you can buy that also have significant effects i mean even like even vitamin d you know, I mean, remembering like something like vitamin D is fat soluble. Do you really need to take it year round? And that's just I'm genuinely asking that, not suggesting that you don't. But have you had your vitamin D levels tested? I mean, I know so many people were taking high levels of vitamin D during COVID because that was one of those things that was supposed to keep you, um, you know, help your immune system. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But having these levels tested to figure out what you need. um, I know that I tend to have low blood sodium naturally just I I don't know why whenever I get you know my stuff tested that's something that comes up so one of the things I always have to do is eat salt like literally I put salt on everything not because I want to not because I like it my body needs it right. Um, So I think it's important for us to understand what we're working with. And if we don't, then we need to figure it out. (laughs) Um, That's why it's great working with you guys, because I think between the three of us, we've probably coached somebody that's had a particular issue that one of us is running into. Like, how do you how do you work with somebody with hypothyroidism? what type of precautions do you do you have to take when when we're scheduling these workouts and you know it's also going to be relevant i mean if this person is training for a 200 mile versus a 5k right you know those considerations are going to be super important right
2: yeah. i think some of the importance in Coaching athletes with specific problems, whatever it might be, is to understand and be humble. And you're not a fucking doctor. I mean, exactly. Megan, Megan's yeah. pretty close to that out of the three of us here. Um, but you're, you're is, what? What are the recommendations of the doctor? Like, how do we work right. this together into that? And having you should when you intake an athlete you should have that fucking conversation and that should all be documented with your athletes like it's it's important to do that as as a coach and then the other other thing is when it comes to if you're talking about like testing for particular body chemistry issues or you have to know what the baseline is and then you have to test regularly if you're going to go down that road like if it's if you if you're if you're trying to And it becomes to a certain extent, it becomes what is the gain you're trying to get, how, how, how much are you trying to squeak out of this versus like, versus what you can get without doing that. But if you're looking to, if you're looking to go down that road, you have to have baseline and then you have to have a marker. Like, and what is it, is it going to be every month, every two months you're going to have to get tested based upon our training. So we can see how these are changing based upon what you're changing, what your diet's changing, how your, what medicines you're on are changing, what the training level, you have to have, you can't just be like, oh, I got tested one time. Well, like, dude, I got tested one time and my cholesterol is super high, but like, I ate a bird, like, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like you did something to throw it off or like my sodium levels in my blood were super high because like I ate like a freaking box of popcorn the day before it, like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like. like whatever it is you that know, you like
0: that it causes it
2: to be what it is
0: I don't think I, I I don't ever give medical advice like I really do tell people you should make an appointment with your doctor but mm-hmm. with that said um I've told plenty of people your doctors an idiot Go get another opinion (laughs) because some because some really stupid things, um, some really stupid things have have been said or, you know, maybe I might say it a little bit kinder than that. But there has been a lot of screwy advice that I've heard, um, especially around injuries, um, you know, from doctors who don't understand what it's like to to be an athlete who don't understand, you know what we do or why we do it. Um, It's always been important for me to have doctors that don't, that don't go, Oh my God, you ran how far? That's crazy. Do your knees hurt? Oh my God. You know, any doctor that says that to me, I'm like, out of here. I'm out of here. I need, I need somebody new that actually understands what I do. Um, You know, so, so having good, good medical providers, I think is really, really, really important.
1: And yeah, people that are going to work with you to interpret these results. And as you say, Sean, is you need to benchmark because there are, you know, there are common ranges, but they're all built on bell curves. And if you're not referencing yourself at the beginning, uh, say, am I way out on the bell curve or am I smack in the middle? And the other thing, and this comes from my doing environmental testing for 25 years, is you get some crazy number like uh, i see this with my daughter who has a lot of health issues they like immediately take focus in on this this number and i'm like why don't they test again test again and validate that this isn't you know that it's you know this is an outlier issue Mm -hmm. you know test again and make sure that it's an outlier issue and i rarely hear that happen at least in the world you know when when
0: i went through that um, I went through that, God, I was still doing triathlons, like just triathlons, um, but I had actual adrenal fatigue. And I know people talk about that, like they use it loosely, but I mean, like I actually, you know, got tested, my hormones were shot and it's not just your adrenal gland, it's a number of other, um, but what we did was I went on some medications and while I was on these medications, I can't remember, I think I got my blood worked done once. A month for, I don't know, six months to a year, because the first the first medication that we used was not working. But it's sort of like what you were saying, Sam. It's not you. You can't just give me adrenal hormones. You also have to take in, you know, take into consider consideration my cortisol and a number a number of other things. So, with the doctor's help, I think it was I got over that in about six months, and then she watched me, you know, for you know, I think maybe after six months, the blood work wasn't as frequent because we got a handle on what she needed to give me to just bring my levels up. But again, it wasn't just here, Meg, take this magic drug. It's what are you doing in your life? What are you doing in your life that (laughs) that that is leading to your adrenal fatigue, which builds on what you were saying? Like you have an athlete with hypertension. So my thought is, okay, is this a nature versus nurture issue or both. Like, is it, are you completely stressed? Does high blood pressure run in your family? Both. Why do you have this?
1: And like, and Sam, you, I found, do you have a doctor that's going to monitor this as you come exactly. into this training plan and work yeah, with you? It,
0: Sam, if you came to me and I was coaching you and you said, well, yeah, I have hypertension and I found out what was, you know, I'd be like, mm, it's, yeah, I'd be leaning more till you probably have a genetic predisposition. You know, to to. But then again, I th- that's an assumption that I'd make, you know, given your lifestyle, I'd start talking to you more. Well, how are things at home? How's work? What's going on? It's just asking questions and not thinking that, well, oh, yeah, he has hypertension. So definitely you need to run to make it better. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> that's right. I think the other thing is right. Like what you're talking about is like having the conversation with with whatever provider you have knowing knowing the base levels and then the fix is not always necessarily the easy fix right like that's the thing is right Every time and I know we're we're on we're essentially on a fitness podcast so our audience isn't typically of the ilk that will not be fit I would assume that are listening to our podcast but maybe most people like the answer is, maybe you exercise maybe but those are all come out of questions that you have to have with your doctor like i my entire life have had high cholesterol just slightly above normal cholesterol like it's just it is what it is it's my baseline since i was a competitive swimmer when i was 10 years old it's just my genetic disposition to that like and the doctor's always like well your cholesterol is high maybe we need to put you on like lipids where i'm like dude, are you fucking high? Like I run 12 hours a week, like, and I eat a mainly vegetarian diet. When, like, when you
0: went vegan, did that change? Just curious. No, it
2: actually, it actually got worse. But the I best, was going to say, the, sometimes my,
0: it does get worse with with the best, vegan. Yeah. The
2: best it ever was, was when I was paleo and I was eating a ton of red meat.
0: Yes, yeah. that's And a ton of fat. Been. Yep.
2: That's the yeah. best it's ever been, which yep. is, you, you. and I think, right? Like if your body and I, and I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, whatever. I think if you're your not, body,
0: yes, you are. I know it's
2: strange, right? I think
0: Mr. From Dr. My, Sean.
2: my anecdotal experience is that if you are not intaking a level of fat, your body will essentially create that cholesterol to like try and make up for it. And it shows up in your blood in that way. But I
0: well, yeah. and also, um, vegan diets, if you're not doing it correctly, um, can tend to be higher in sugar and that fluctuation in blood sugar you know, can, can cause, can cause some issues. So, you know, keeping your blood glucose levels, you know, you know, at moderate levels are really important. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I tend to have a really low blood pressure and have a very low pulse always have. And everybody I work with as a paramedic, I've, I've told people, I'm like, look, if something ever happens to me, you know, because we're in kind of weird situations. I go, if anything ever happens to me, just so you know, <laughs> I'm just like like sitting here talking to you guys. I'm probably in the 50s. You know, I'm kind of jacked up. I'm kind of, you know, energized. My blood pressure rarely breaks 100. You know, I'm like a 90 over 60 girl. Um, so So if I go into the doctor's office and it's like 110 over, you know, over 65, I'm like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> what's what that's that's a significant concern for me. So I always tell people I work with because, God forbid, you know, they check my pulse and they're like, oh my God, she's at 40 and her blood pressure is 90 over 50. Like that, that's still in that's still in my norm, you know. Um, so everybody I work with knows that just in case something ever happens. I think that's God with, forbid
2: with everything, like I naturally yeah. run a lower core temperature. So like Yeah, I was, me too. I, I, I do fever, too. You fever, too? What about at you, Sam? A, at, do you... A higher, at, a like, at a lesser level.
1: I've, maybe a little bit. It's, what's interesting for me, when I get sick, my temperature goes down. Okay, which that's is weird. weird. Yeah, like by, by a degree get, a, or two. You don't get a I fever? Haven't... Not really. I mean, I will, but it's rare. I mean, it's... Huh. So, I don't know what that's about. Sean,
0: what do you run at for a typical body temperature?
2: I run like 97.2.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I do too. I was going to say I run high 96s or low 97s. Yeah,
2: 97.2, 97.4.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're all my, freaks, I, man. <laughs> my my favorite story with the the pulse is I used to have to get an annual physical for work. And um, we go to these minute clinic places. And I remember going into one and I'm just sitting around waiting for them to, you know, to take care of me. They come in and they do blood pressure and pulse. And um, the nurse is like, um, is your pulse always this low? It was like 37 or 38.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a runner. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm uh, super chill. Yeah. She, she's <laughs> like, I just got to go tell the doctor. I'm like, okay. The doctor comes flying in the room. They're like, oh my God, you need a pacemaker. And Like instantly. And I'm like, oh, I'm a runner. They're like, no, you, this isn't right. Ugh. Like, I hadn't seen this person at all. And uh, she's like, all right, get up and do some jumping jacks. And if your heart rate doesn't go up, I'm writing you oh, up Jesus. that you need a pacemaker. Okay. And I'm like, so obviously, you don't see any healthy people at this clinic. As somebody,
0: I take people's vital signs all the time. Okay. And they always need to be looked at in context. For example, like if, if the two of you, if I took your blood glucose and it was 310 with you two, I'd be like, what the heck did you just eat? Like I, that's way high. However, some people are diabetic and I'm like, what's your norm? Now that's not a really healthy norm to have. Um, even with oxygen, you know, if, if somebody has COPD, I'm going to get different, you know, I'm going to get different, um, Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. Oxygen, oxygen and carbon dioxide. Um, When I test people's blood pressure, I always ask, what's your norm? Right. Because if, if somebody's, if somebody suffers from hypertension um, and I'm checking their blood pressure and they have my vitals, like their pulse is 50 and their, and their blood pressure is 90 over 60, I am very concerned. Right. That's, that's not normal. That's not healthy. But, You know, I have, I go into somebody's home and they're a runner who has COVID or has the flu and needs to be taken to the hospital. And I check their pulse and it's, and it's 40 or 50. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I, and I'm not particularly going to worry. Um, It's all about who you're, who we're dealing with. And I think that's the difference between good coaches and bad coaches. We, as cool and as awesome and as fucking rad as we all are, right? We, (laughs) We are not experts at everything. There are, you know, there are certain things that that you guys are so much better at than I am. And we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but it's being willing to ask our athletes questions. And when we don't know the answer, not just spouting off some bullshit about, oh, yeah, you need to take this supplement or you need to do this. It's not that it's learning and asking people who, I I ask people who-
1: Asking experts, yes.
2: Or just referring your athlete to an expert. Like on a regular basis, I go, I'll talk to my athlete and he's like, blah, blah, blah is happening or whatever. And I go, well, I think it could be this. This might be the area you wanna start looking in. Go talk to a professional, whether it be a a PT, an ortho. Exactly. Your your primary care, whoever it is. Like I say, like, look at this is what I think it is from experience and from knowledge. I can't diagnose you. It's not my it's not my place to diagnose you. Um, It's beyond my
1: scope of practice. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, based on what people are training for, like if somebody came to me and they were training for an ultra swimming event, I'd probably refer them over to you, Sean, because I mean, could I train them? Yeah, but you're better than me at that. You know, um, there's certain things that I know that like if I had like Sean, you're always my go-to with strength training questions. And Sam, you're really good with like mobility and anatomy stuff. And it's just knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know, and you know, just be humble.
1: Be humble. But,
0: but we are awesome with that said. <laughs> uh, Zendurance now coaches are the best you are not going to get a better coach than than us just saying
2: <laughs> did we did we even talk about sam's topic today
0: yeah i think we did
2: <laughs> i think we like diverged sam did we
0: did so we address awkward. i mean I no think i think did. so i think yeah so. i mean so what are what are our takeaways though right so i'm thinking in my head takeaways are as we get older, we need more rest and recovery. We need to lift heavier stuff. Um, our diet needs to be appropriate. We need to be getting our hormones and and not just our hormones, but it could be, you know, it, just vitamin levels or whatever, checking to see if you're anemic. We may need to get that more frequently. Um, I don't know. Sam, Sean, what are your takeaways? See, what, think, what did I skip? I think
2: it's funny because I think that applies to fucking any athlete. That's the, like... I understand that like it becomes more pressing the older you get, but I think it applies to any athlete. It's just
0: okay, but you know what? I think you're right. It applies to all athletes, but the wiggle room as we get older is smaller.
2: Exactly, yeah. I think I I think yes, it becomes more of a pressing and important issue to to address.
0: so when I was I, in my 20s, I didn't sleep or I didn't eat well, I would be fine, you know, but if I did that right now, I'd probably, you know,
1: I don't know, something so bad I, would I, happen. <laughs> I would add, you know, we we just wrapped up the discussion on medications, but we have to understand what's going on there, what the implications are with the athletes. And we have to look at the intensity that we give to people in a week, you know, how many minutes of intensity and how does that, how's that shaped? And that, and for me, it's number of, even the number of different types of workouts, you know, is, or do we cut down a level? And one we didn't talk about, but I, I think associated with the number of workouts is, I think it's important. You may have talked about this in other podcasts, but sort of off season where you go, I know Sean's, you know, you're in the middle of something like this now where you've, you know, after your big, race it up at Jigger Johnson, you know, my you're big failure, A bunch <laughs> of different stuff. No, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably healthier instead of taking a month or two, which I've done in the past of either totally shutting it down or doing something different to consider doing that even longer on the annual cycle is for like two or three months, going and doing something different so that you get the benefit of more cross training, sort of.
2: Well, there was, there was, I was listening to someone talk and I don't remember who it was, but a respected coach, respected um, athlete. And they were talking about, and it's, it comes, comes kind of like in lines with the, the growth is made on the recovery. If you're constantly afraid of losing fitness, you will never gain any real fitness. Cause you're always kind of at that plateau point. Like I just, you, you'll gain fitness to a certain point, And then it just sits there. And if you just you'll never you need to, like, lose that fitness to make that next next step up Because my hands are going up that no one can see on this podcast. <laughs> but. Yeah, I think, the, I, I the think other that's thing
0: that I've taken into my life. I actually call this the Sam Farnsworth method of training. I've actually call I actually call it this like not joking around. I might
1: have heard this on a previous a recent podcast.
0: Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so I'll have my workouts that I want to do each week and where 10 years ago I would program them out. Like on Monday, I'm doing this. On Tuesday, I'm doing this. Da, da, da. I have these workouts in mind. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, how am I feeling today? This is not going to be the day where I um, you know, where I do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to take it easy today and then go harder tomorrow. I or planning around my schedule, but I have my workouts and I sort of puzzle piece them into my life, depending on what's going on with time, with work, with family, with stress and how I'm feeling physically. So I'll be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go hike the whites one day this week. I'm going to try to get in a bike ride. I'm going to do yoga every day. I'm going to get in, you know, whatever it is. And just allowing myself that level of flexibility has been a game changer. Cause, and also, by the way, then I don't beat myself up as much when because if I had an interval run scheduled on Wednesday morning and I wake up on Wednesday morning after like two hours sleep because I had a really hard shift, I have a shitty run and then I'm like, oh, my God, I suck. I'm horrible. No, I'm just freaking tired. Right. So giving myself the flexibility to move things around the Sam Farnsworth method,
1: the benefit of maturity. Well,
2: that's what I was yeah. gonna say. I still yeah. live with the guilt of not working hard, it, it fucking kills me. Like, I love, yeah. I love, I have, I, I do, I coach an, an athlete who's 67, and I love the fact that he's like, I didn't feel like running hard today, it didn't feel good, and he can put that ego straight aside, yeah. and just, and just be like, that's what it is, this is, and I'm like, oh, that's such a, br-. like, to me, that's such a breath of fresh air, um, and I and I think Older athletes do have the ability to set that ego aside. um, Maturity. And and do that.
0: As you get older, you're less of a dink, you know? And then one of the other things (laughs) I wanted to touch back
2: about the (laughs) intensity was that we, because we touched on strength training and lifting heavy. And though it's, and we talk a lot about endurance athletics. And by that, I mean, running, biking, whatever. Strength training lifting heavy is intense training so don't discount that as not being intense and needing proper recovery so depending on where you are periodization in your in your macro micro plans like you you have to take that into account you if you're strength training real hard with a lot of intensity you can't be doing high interval intensity workouts in that same same training bout right Hmm. so
1: So one thing I'll just add here. Can I put a plug in for a book?
2: You can put a plug in for anything.
1: Yeah, so I I mean, granted. Anything. uh, (laughs) Set that aside. uh, Okay, we're serious. We'll put plugs in anything. My coaching uh, library, I went through today, you know, getting ready for this. And I only could find one book. It's it's called fast after 50 by joe friel his last name is spelled f-r-i-e-l and he's kind of a cycling coach but i mean it applies to all endurance stuff and he's cycling triathlon coaching information yeah yeah but i went through other you know i won't list the authors of the other ones but there's no discussion other than maybe the stacy sims book on you know the endocrine aspect of things that talks about the age differences. They just talk about managing intensity um, for your clients, and um, so it's, that's a yeah, great point right. that sort yeah. of pulls it all together for the older athlete.
0: We just need to pay attention to pay attention to our athlete. You know, um, male, female, trans, non-binary, old, young, college student, parent of six kids, like. Yeah, we we need to pay attention and we need to adapt and we need to adapt accordingly.
2: Oh, well, there's one other point that we didn't touch on and we, we, I, we sort of did, but we did not specifically touch on it in regards to, and you just made me think about when you said mother of six, is that in the age bracket of 60 plus, a lot of times you have the retirement community. Now, Sam is not in that because Sam works super hard. Um, at his business. But those that are retired, maybe even though we talked about balancing intensity and recovery, have more time to recover because they don't have the work schedule. And so that's something when you have those conversations with your athlete.
0: Keeping all of these, you know, keeping all of these issues um, on the forefront, I think, just helps us be happier and healthier and stronger. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, thank you, thank you for joining us. I know you're coming on again in, I think, two weeks. However, because you're our honored guest, um, what song would you like to take us out with today?
1: So before I say the song, I just I have to throw this quote in here because I love this quote: "Is age and treachery will overcome youth and skill." So, who said uh, that? His name Fausto Coppi, who was a uh, uh cyclist. Uh, after he was like the the guy after World War Two.
0: Nice. But
1: just remember, all of you know the, the folks that are my age. You know, we, there's always sticks in the woods. You know that you can uh, take out a competitor. Now, you know but, what, uh, though, Sam?
0: The, the the athletes that I I have learned most from, you know, as an athlete myself, are the older athletes. Really, it's it's the insights and um and ideas and common sense things that I should have started in my twenties. You know, they're doing now, and I'm like, oh
1: yeah, I should do that. I should yeah. do that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and just to prove that I'm old, the the outro song is a replacements song. I think it's from the '80s. Um, uh, it's called Shooting Dirty Pool. Cute and Dirty Pool. Okay. Let's
0: give it a listen. And uh, until next time, thank you, Sam. And um, catch y'all later.
2: Peace out, gangsters. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. If you don't like Johnny Cash, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs>